Hello. Hi. Um, my name is Elizabeth Wade, and I am taking the new members class soon. And, um, and I'm part of the Northeast CG, and I will be reading today from Matthew 24:14 in Arabic. Wasatu alanu basharatu malikuti lahi fikulil alam. Fashaharatan lakul ghair al yahud thumatuti nihaye. This is the word of the Lord. Our story at the well um, began in about 2013. Uh, we just joined up um, with uh, our little small group, kind of core team, into uh, the well and started attending and just really started um, falling in love with diversity and just the, the different cultures that were represented at the well. And um, we were sent out uh, to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And... Uh, 2015 and we've been there for five and a half years now the name of the city I guess if you're a gringo you would say uh, <laughs> Sao Paulo Sao Paulo but it, don't you don't we don't if you only speak English you don't have the sound I don't I could pretend but I don't but it's Sao Paulo and the abbreviation of the city is technically it would be Sampa but as a gringo, you would say Sampa. But so that's where the idea of Sampa Church came from. It's just an abbreviation for the name of the city. Um, and I think it's really important because we feel called to, to the if, if it's possible to be called to the entire city of 23 million people, that's what we want to do. It's probably not physically possible, but that's where the idea of the name came from. I think our ministry focus is probably broken up into three different categories. Um, there's kind of the church part, Sampa Church, which has a mixture of Brazilians and people from all over the world. Uh, I also coach basketball at an international school, and it's a very wealthy school and come from a very high influential demographic. And we also work with kids in a drug infested neighborhood. And so it's interesting we work with these two extreme demographics, extreme wealth and extreme poverty. I think getting uh, the call, as you would say, is uh, in our married life, Bob always comes to me and says, I have an idea. And that's like a scary moment for me because I'm like such a planner and he's like the risk taker, adventurous. But what's kind of crazy is we've never in our 33 years of, of uh, ministry, we've never considered going overseas. And so that was never even on our radar, but he had this idea, what would it look like to go international? And it's the well's fault because we just fell in love with diversity there and just thought, what would it look like to go, you know, to another culture and, and another country and, and do this? And so it wasn't something that was like, that we had thought of a lot um, or ever even, but we, we, God began to just like plant that in our heart. And uh, so we decided to start looking for a large diverse city. Um, and that's kind of where Sao Paulo became a reality. I think now that we've been there five and a half years, um, we would probably both say this is the most challenging, humbling and rewarding thing we've ever done as far as ministry and even as a married couple. 
Um, we culture shocked and empty nested at the same time, so going crazy, we didn't know which was which. <laughs> but uh, every day, I mean, we know we were supposed to go, we know we were supposed to be there. And, uh, you know, even in the hard times, um, we've, we've learned, not always been easy, that, you know, God's good no matter what, and He's with us through it all. But it's definitely where God has us for this time. I think that really the important thing is that people understand that it's kind of everybody's responsibility to be a missionary where you live. And I think we, we try to communicate that to people, you know, where you live, where you work, and where you play. God can use you. And so take what you already do, you know, your job, your neighborhood, what you like to do for fun. God can use all of those things in your life. Just let Him use them. And don't make it be some special, oh, you got to be a missionary. I think that's dumb. No, you just do what you already do, but do it with a purpose. And that, I think, makes the difference. And so it's not about where you go on a mission trip or being called to be a missionary. I think it's more about as you live your life, how can God use you? And God can use anything in your life. If He can use my love for basketball to impact somebody, God can use anything. If He can use basketball, He can use anything. So taking what you have, what you experience and what you know, and let God use that. And then if he calls you to another country, that's great. But if he never calls you to another country, you're still a missionary where you live. Preach. Man, I love being a part of a church family that has people like the Robins. If you don't know, they were our first missionary sent to the nations. And, and I also just love that uh, Elizabeth actually read for us in Arabic. She didn't learn Arabic on Duolingo. She actually lived in Jordan for four years as a missionary. Uh, would you just praise God for all that he is giving us in this season? Well, my name's Adam, and for those of you that, that don't know me, I get to really be uh, super involved with what God's doing in our vision as far as going to the nations. And if you've been under a rock here at the well, we want to plant 100 churches internationally. And so the past uh, three weeks, the last two weeks, Tori's been talking about our one place, and maybe your one place might be the nations. And so I hope today you'll, you'll be able to see how you play a part in what God is doing in the nations how serving with well kids is raising up the next generation of missionaries and church planners, how serving in foster care is really mimicking God to those kids that they might go and do that with others. Uh, there's so many things that our church family is doing that we want to see happen in the nations. And so I'm going to be hitting on some of that today. But really the first two weeks of this series, Tori's kind of given us a big overview of what the Bible says about God's heart for the nations. And then how we can go from really reaching our neighbors to reaching the nations. Today, I want us to take us to really see that this mission will be completed. Jesus will complete his mission. He will finish the task. And so as we think about our one place, and we've given you all a resource that you can use uh, with that one place series, I want you to remember with confidence that Jesus will proclaim this gospel to all nations. 
That this is not a task that might happen or might fail, but it will happen. And so we're going to narrow in on one verse really today, uh, Matthew 24, 14. So if you've, you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back for you. But we're really going to sit in this one verse and then really see what this means for, for us as a family. So first thing, in Matthew 24, 14, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel, what gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. Is this the prosperity gospel? No, y'all can help me out, all right? No, all right? Is this the gospel of good works? If I just do more, God will love me? No, it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's got to make us question, what is this kingdom? Jesus actually mentions the kingdom of heaven 80 times in the gospels. When I was studying this the last few weeks, I've really got to see the kingdom of God is what he's drawing people to. He is the kingdom, the king. A king represents his kingdom like no other. And so if I want to know about the kingdom of God, I have to know this king. I have to remember that King Jesus, king over all, he, he came down and became one of us. He literally became one of his people. What kind of leader does this? I think of how people knew that he was perfect and right, and yet people with the most sin seemed to be most attracted to Jesus. People who knew that they were shameful, they would fall at his feet. I think even of the story of the woman who was a prostitute and she poured out her perfume on his feet and actually washed his feet with her hair, knowing that she's actually anointing him. And that we see that in scriptures that she's blessing him. And all the religious and prideful people, they're shaming her and shaming him in this awkward situation, yet he blesses her and he receives worship because he sees her heart. This is a kingdom that's beyond what can be seen. I think of Jesus and how he feeds the 5,000, how he takes five loaves and two fish from a little boy and multiplies it, and he blesses and feeds so many. I think of Jesus and how, man, in his humanity, he, he actually rested. We have a king who's perfect, who's supernatural king of the universe, and yet he rests with his father. He abides with the father. This is a different kind of king. I think of how he wept when Lazarus died, and he wept for his friends. And yet this is the same Jesus that was going to raise not just Lazarus from the dead, and not just himself from the dead, but you and me. This is a different kind of king, right? So it's a different kind of kingdom that we get to enter into. And he's covering people from their shame. I don't know if you've ever felt that before, where you've been exposed for your sin, where you've been exposed for your weakness, for who you really are, for who all of us really are, and Jesus covers you. Anybody experienced that before? where you got to say, this is who I really am, and I am jacked up, but Jesus covers me. He covers us by his blood, by his sacrifice. I want to know this king. And King Jesus, he pursued us to even step off his throne and enter into our world, didn't he? 
See, Jesus is still pursuing people like crazy today. And, and you might be in here and you might have heard that song, Alpha and Omega, and you're thinking, what is that? What just happened? What did I just feel? Well, if that's you, I guarantee you that God is pursuing you. That Jesus, the King of Kings, is still pursuing you. And he wants you to follow him. And as we've talked about the last few weeks, we've really stated that our God is a giving God. God is giving life. In fact, God the Father, we read in John 3.16, he gave his one and only son. He gave his most precious belonging, the most precious one he had, his son. And that Jesus himself in John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you're here and you are worn out and you're thinking, I don't know what I'm here. I don't know why I'm spending my Sunday afternoon at this church. I don't know any of these people. But man, God might call you to himself and actually save you from you and call you to be a missionary today on the same day. And I really think that God's moving in somebody's heart today where you're going to hear all about the nations, but he's actually drawing you to himself. He's going to make you desire him more and more as you hear about his heart for those that don't yet know him. Because if he has a heart for the nations, that means he has a heart for you. See, those things can't be separated. His heart for you and his heart for the nations were both on the cross. Maybe you're in here today, friends, and you're saying, I have forgotten what it was like when I first received Jesus. Maybe you came to Christ as a kid and life was great. Maybe you came to Christ dramatically in college. Maybe you came to Christ last week. And you're already feeling like, what happened? Where are you, Jesus? He is still pursuing you. In fact, he's pursuing people all over the world. Uh, people are having dreams and visions. And I'll just tell you right now, another plug for the mission intensive. Come to that if you want to hear more stories. I only got 35 minutes. And so I'm not going to share all the stories with you. But he's pursuing people like crazy. In fact, our church got to send three short-term teams this fall of people that were going really on vision trips to see what God might have them do with their lives. Would they go to the nation? So we actually sent a team to, to Europe, to Barcelona, and got to visit our folks there. We got to go to North Africa, and we also got to go to the Middle East. Guys, we saw 11 people choose to make first-time decisions for Christ out of those three teams. Would you just praise God for that? One of my favorite stories that I just got to share with you really quick, and I'll try to do this as I'm looking at the clock. But I, I, we flew out of uh, Dallas because we're trying to save the well some money so we didn't fly to Austin because flying to Barcelona from Austin just ain't very cheap, all right? So we got a church bus. We went up to Dallas, and we flew across, and I sat next to a guy on the plane going from Dallas to Madrid, and I was like, this dude is pretty jacked. He, he looks like he's somebody, like some kind of athlete. And I was like, I got to ask this guy what he does. Well, he turns out to be a professional mountain climber. Also, it turns out he's been training with my man crush for the last 20 years, okay? So anybody know who Jimmy Chin is? Three of you. Okay, that's great. So a few of you know who he is. My friend has been training with him. He does, like, National Geographic, photography, all this stuff. And they've been doing mountain climbing. And this dude is flying over to uh, Morocco, to, but he has to go through Spain, and he's going to mountain climb for his 40th birthday. So he asked me what I do after I asked him what he did, and I was like, okay, here we go. So for the next eight hours, my mountain climber friend, who shall not be named, he goes from an atheist to an agnostic. I'm like, this is a great success, okay? 
we're getting somewhere, we got to pray together, we exchanged contacts, so all that's good. So now I go and I'm with our Barcelona team for two weeks, had an incredible time. We saw our team share the gospel and really proclaim the gospel over 450 times in the city of Barcelona. We sowed seeds in that city. We got to support and encourage our long-term folks. There was a huge, huge, really win for us as a church family. They went two years without anybody visiting them because of COVID. So we got to go and encourage and bless them as as a short-term team. And so I'm leaving there, and I get to go down to Morocco. Well, I said it. There it is, North Africa. So we go down there, and we get to share. We get to see what God is doing. And there was incredible work that God's doing down there. We, we met a man who had a vision of Jesus when he was 12, led his family to Christ, and God told him to become a lawyer and then go to seminary. So he has two reasons why people hate him in Morocco, okay? And God's using those tools, and he's praying, and he's asking God, and really partnering even with us to say, hey, I want to start the first seminary in Morocco in history. So we're encountering people like this, and we're getting to partner with people. It's incredible. And so I'm, I actually flew down there, you know, from Spain. And so I'm flying back separately. So I say bye to the folks on my team, and I'm waiting at my gate. And then I hear my name. I see Adam. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Our team didn't get on the plane. I hear Adam. I'm like, okay, is this the voice? I'm in the airport in Casablanca, and there better not be anybody that knows my name in English at least, okay? And I turn around, and it is my mountain climber friend. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I am tired. This man talked the entire plane. What does he want? He says, man, how are you? And I was like, I'm I'm good. I I got to tell him just everything. I'm so tired. I'm not trying to hide what I was doing in that country, all that stuff. And so I said, hey, where where are you going? He's like, well, I actually delayed my flight. And I, I woke up a few days ago, and I felt like for some reason something told me that I should delay my flight and stay here for a few more days but I'm flying to, to New York. And I was like, that's crazy. When's your flight? He's like, 11 a.m. I'm like, oh, that's my flight. What seat are you? He's like, I'm 33A. I'm like, okay, I'm 33C. I was like, God, what are you doing? So we eat lunch, we get on the plane, and he says to me, before somebody else sits between us, he says, man, I guess I'm really supposed to hear what you have to say. I'm like, God, I'm so tired. Why? I don't understand this. I'm here for the nations, but I'm talking to this American guy on this plane. What is happening? And so I, I get to, you know, talking with him, and we're kind of laughing, sharing some stories about that country and the people we met. And then a, a Muslim guy sits between us from that country. And my mountain climber friend just has the kindness to tell our Muslim friend what I do for a living. And so now you can picture, I've got a nine-hour flight with the three of us right here, okay? And so that became the most exhausting plane ride of my life. However, our friend in the middle was an expert in the Quran. And that was just lovely. I was like, Holy Spirit, please, what do I do right now? And so we're pulling up our apps and all our study Bible on my end and his stuff and We go back and forth for three hours, and he's right next to me on the shoulder. And in that culture, if you're serious, you actually touch the person if you're talking to him. So I end up touching this guy that's right next to me, the mountain climber's on this side of me, and he's listening to the whole thing. And we go from Genesis to Revelation, I get to share the gospel, and I get to the point where I tell this friend next to me, I say, hey man, 
I believe that my Bible says you're going to hell. And that's why I came here. That's why I'm sharing. I want you to know the truth of Jesus. And he turns to me and says, well, you missed uh, Muhammad. And, and one day Jesus is going to tell you that Muhammad was real. And it's all your fault as Christians. And you're going to go to hell. And I was like, oh, this is not going anywhere. And so we both end up actually praying for each other. Mountain climber friend hears the whole thing. And he says to me, he says, so you're really serious about this stuff. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And in that, uh, our friend in the middle, he, thank God bless him, and I pray that he comes to know Jesus. But he went and he's found a row all by himself, and he got to lay down and sleep. And I think that was God literally removing this distraction from me sharing with this other guy, and I just wanted to sleep. But I end up spending about the next four hours taking our friend from being an agnostic to saying, okay, Jesus has got to be real. And then we, we get off the plane, and he actually calls his girlfriend, and he tells her, hey, this is weird. I sat next to this guy on this flight and then on this flight, and I'm calling Laura, and I'm like, hey, you're not going to believe this. And then we are walking, and I was like, hey, where's your next flight? And he's, of course, we're at the same gate, same flight, everything, exchange contacts. And so I share that to say God is clearly pursuing him, and we should pray for him. And it was so obvious, God literally planted me right next to him twice on flights. Then the chances of that, there's no accident that God's pursuing him. But even in that, he still did not come to making a decision. I used everything. I prayed, and God, what do you want? We've been texting. We've been texting Bible studies, all these things. And the difference between him and 3.2 billion other people is access to the gospel. He has complete access, and yet it's right in front of him, and he was not receiving it. But i got to tell you, this gospel of the kingdom of this Jesus will be proclaimed. It doesn't have to take crazy circumstances like that. There are much crazier circumstances, like my lawyer friend, where, where there's not people going, Jesus is going. He's revealing himself. And so we get to celebrate a gospel that has guaranteed success. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Not this gospel should be preached, not this gospel might be preached, but this gospel will be preached. John Piper says this, he says, this is not a great commission nor a great commandment. It is a great certainty, a great confidence. Who can talk like that with such confidence? Who can say this will happen? Every single tribe, every single tongue will hear about this gospel. Jesus, how does he know it will? He knows the future success of missions because he makes the future he is sovereign. He is in absolute control. If you remember at the end of the Great Commission, he says he'll be with us. But at the beginning, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It is out of that authority that he commands us to go. The task might seem impossible. James Hudson Taylor, who is a missionary who really oppressed into, with the Inland China mission and shared the gospel in China, he says this, he says, there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult. Then it is done. 
If you think it's impossible for the well to plant 100 churches internationally, you are right. The well will not do this. The spirit of the living God through the people of the well will do this. Amen? Man, Acts 17, 26 through 27 says this. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. You never really know how close someone is to being with God. Think of the person that you think is least likely to come to faith. God wants them. You never know how close somebody is. And he's pursuing them. In fact, if there's 3.2 billion people right now who don't have access to the gospel, don't you think that's a great opportunity for our God to show off who he is? This impossible task. Man, when, when I look at this, I get overwhelmed by the number and I stop thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's so big. I just can't be a part of that. But then I think of my friends in North Africa, in the Middle East, in Sub-Saharan Africa, where they have seen Jesus reveal himself to them. I think of folks on our Barcelona team and the team we just sent that they're equipping Spanish speakers to go to the unreached because if you speak Spanish, you will have chances are much better access to Arabic-speaking Muslims. And, and when you, you see that the world is all kinds of jacked up with COVID and all the other things, we're missing out how God is moving like crazy. In fact, we sent a team to the Middle East and Chris and Henry and Amanda Henry led that team, some of our elders, and they did a fantastic job. And what we get to really celebrate is seven people there got to choose to follow Jesus for the first time. These are people who are Muslim background folks. And we celebrate that. This same pastor there, though, several months before this, they baptized 70 Syrian refugees into the kingdom of God. God is on the move and he's pursuing people and he will continue to. This gospel will be proclaimed. What barriers are in the way or what speed bumps? Man, there's things that we ourselves do that get in the way of this. But then there's also the enemy. The enemy hates what we're doing. If you pay close attention to the gospels, you'll see time and time again, when Jesus is rebuking demons, all they're able to do is try and delay him. They say, please don't hurt us. That's all Satan can do. He's trying to delay the inevitable. He knows he's fighting a losing battle. You and I get to be a part of a winning team that is guaranteed victory. Man, the other thing that gets in the way is our sin. Really, it, it, I think it's our judgment and our pride. Why are we not a part of sharing this gospel? Why are we not a part of proclaiming it? When in our sin, we, we really judge others. If you're really real with yourself, do you think, hey, America is better than eternity? Are you dealing with racism in your heart? Where are you saying, you know, I just don't think those people need to hear. Are you saying, you know what? I want to stay in my comfort. I want to stay where I can, can be. And that doesn't mean everybody needs to go, but it means if you're in well kids serving, you should be pointing those kids to the nations. Because we have a task and a goal and the end will come when this happens. Maybe it's that you think you can save people. And I confess to you that I, I grew up really thinking in this mindset. Hello? There you go. All right. 
There you go. As soon as you confess, the mic goes out, right? No. Uh, to point yourself, to point other people to yourself or to Jesus. That will get in the way of this message being proclaimed. God is not looking for more heroes. He already has one. His name is Jesus. He is looking for laborers in his harvest field. Amen? The last thing I think is a barrier and gets in the way is division, disunity. If you are hurting the bride of Christ, you are hurting the proclamation of the gospel going to the nations. What we do in this space matters. How you love people in your community group matters. You are a witness and a testimony to the nations. I mean, what else is really worth giving your life to? What, what else is going to give you a 100% guarantee of success that this gospel will be proclaimed? Are you putting your hope in your job? Are you putting your hope in a relationship? Are you putting your hope in cryptocurrency? Because that's just not smart. I mean, what are you putting your hope in? Maybe you think God can't use you. Maybe you're down and you think you just can't do anything to be a part of what he's doing in the nations. Your relationship stinks. Your job stinks. Your family stinks. Your kid's diaper stinks. You can't buy a house in Austin. Stinks. You ain't got no friends. Stinks. You got COVID. Stinks, right? The news, it stinks. Politics stinks. This world is really stanky. And it's dirty. But you know what's good news? Jesus, this gospel will be proclaimed. Thank you, Huli. So how do we partner with him in this? How do we partner with our God in this? I think, number one, just live radically. Wherever you're putting your hope, it is obvious to the world around you. If your hope is in your title, that's trash. If your hope is in how much money you have, that is trash. Live radically for Jesus. College students, raise your hand if you're a college student. Where are college students at? Amen. Just go. I was called to the nations in college, and I'm here to equip people to go to the nations. But if I was not here at the well, I would be in the nations. That's what me and my wife have, have prayed through, and we're thinking, God, we want to equip people to go. We want to see this church be able to accomplish its mission and vision. Don't let your age or experience or your lack of knowledge hold you back. A lot of us think kind of generationally. We think like this. We think, hey, if you're in your 20s and 30s, you're like this passionate, energetic generation. Like, you're going to be able to do stuff, right? If we think you're in your 40s, 50s, like, that's kind of the resource generation going to give to stuff happening. That's why we don't have a building right now, if you look around. Um, we got the 60s plus generation. If you got gray hair, we love you. If you have white hair, we bless you, okay? When I look at the well, though, we cannot let these things become an excuse for us. I love the Robin story. I don't know if you caught what Martha said, is that they empty nested and they had culture shock at the same time. And then Bob saying, hey, if God can use basketball, he can use anything. Isn't that true? Live radically. Number two, take your next step. As of this morning, we have around 100 people that are going to the mission intensive from this church body this next weekend. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. We're wanting to do this as a church family. This is not just an individual call of who wants to go overseas. This is what the well is saying we want to do together. And you'll hear a lot more practical things that you can do there. Number three is depend on the Holy Spirit. 
if you don't get anything else from this, the fact that you know the name of Jesus is a supernatural work of God. You cannot share the gospel with anybody and save them. The spirit of the living God is going to see his mission fulfilled. You get to be a part of that. Depend on the Holy Spirit. If you're thinking, I can't do this, I won't do that, depend on the Holy Spirit. Pray. You're praying in the Spirit. Pray. Number four is just value, multiplication, and discipleship. We'll talk about that more at the mission intensive. But there is a reason that Jesus said, it is better if I go than if I stay. If he had preached every single day and there's 100,000 people in front of him, and every day 100,000 people came to Christ, it would pale in comparison to multiplying the family of God across the nations. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower his people to multiply. Matthew 24, 14 again. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We take this seriously as a church. And today, I'm really grateful to announce to you that we are actually partnering with Frontiers. It is a ministry and an organization that has been reaching Muslim peoples and planting churches amongst unreached Muslim peoples for the last 40 years. And so we gained some white hair in this deal. That's a good thing. But in this, we now have a way for you to go to the nations. So if you're praying about what that might look like, come to the mission intensive. You'll hear more. But again, this is not just a individual call of, hey, am I supposed to go to the nations and I'm supposed to stand up? This is us as a church saying, we take the mission of God seriously. This is going to take all of us. This is going to take, well, kids, our college ministry. It's going to take you reaching people on campus. It's going to take all the things that we're doing in this space because the reality is we're going to the nations so that they can experience what you've experienced this afternoon. So when we sing Alpha and Omega, that there's people who've never heard that Jesus is the beginning of the end that will one day hear that. And in this, we have to count the cost. Mm. I can't give this message to you, and I can't say what I feel like God wants me to say at the mission intensive without counting the cost myself. To give up comfort here in the States, Everybody's moving to Austin. Why would you move from Austin? For us as a church to follow Christ's example, our great missionary who counted the cost. He came off the throne and counted the cost for you and for me to be among the lost. We have unique sending potential as a church. We are young, praise God. We believe this can happen. We have faith, praise God. We get to uniquely send minorities in a way that just has not happened in history here in America. Praise God. We get to be a part of this. But the context of Matthew 24, 14 really focuses us on the cost. And I want to end sort of with this here for us. Because in Matthew 24, verse 9, it says, They will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. See, this is the price of missions 
This is the price of it being completed. Our suffering becomes an extension and presentation of Christ's sufferings for those for whom he died. Suffering is not an accidental result of obedience. Did you notice the phrase, all nations? It's in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. We go and make disciples of all nations. It's in this promise here in Matthew 24, 14 that we've been looking at today. This gospel will be preached. It will be proclaimed to all nations. And in Matthew 24, 9, we see the price. You will be hated by all nations. As we've talked about this series, nations are not countries. They're people groups. They're languages and cultures. That the nations might come and really give their glory to God. Now, once again, as we've done in this series, we could ask for people to, to go forward and who feels called to go. But if we count the cost individually and as a church, I think we have to really understand what we're inviting people into. This gospel of the kingdom does not stop here on earth. He is inviting us into his presence Let's read Matthew 24, 14 again. In this gospel, the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What is the end? I mean, do you spend typical Wednesday morning just thinking about the end of all things? Probably not. Don't we want to be a part of this accomplishment, though? I think of the passion and the drive of some missionaries. Here's C.T. Studd, which that's just a really cool name, okay? C.T. Studd says this, Some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. If that's stirring something in you, it's not an accident. It's not what I'm saying. It's what the Spirit of God is doing in you. David Platt says this, this gospel being proclaimed, it's worth living for and it is worth dying for. This is the end. Jesus is faithful and he is true. He is a good and perfect king who has laid down his life for you. And he's laid down his life for people who do not even have access to him yet. And he has entrusted you and me to reaching those people. If you're thinking, man, our church should just send some money over there. Who are they going to send the money to? Who are the followers of Christ in that place? This will take a sacrifice of us as a church saying, we're going to send our best as God the Father sent his. I want you to picture the end. I want you to picture eternity. Because if you left today and you think, man, somebody from our church is going to go overseas. That's great. Praise God. I'm going to clap for the well. This is not about the well. This is about seeing him face to face. And I think about what it would mean like if we get to see Jesus face to face and we get to look around and see the worship that is happening. Where we're singing hallelujah, we're singing the Alpha and Omega, and we remember that we're in the throne room of God. I mean, do you see heaven looking different because the nations are invited in? And the language is being sung. And the honor and the glory that he is being given. And the angels and the cherubim are flying around. I mean, can you picture it? 
That his robe would fill this entire room that we're in right now. That there's multitudes and tens of thousands. And that the nations are going to bring their worship to our king. If you're leaving here today thinking, man, that's it. We just got to go do more. I would have failed you here today because I think what God wants to do for each one of us is to long to see his face. If you desire to see the face of Jesus, if you desire to worship him forever, you will share this good news. Do you love him? Do you remember what he's done for you? Are you just infatuated with him? This king who's different than the rest. This king that is worth giving my hope and my life to. He wants to invite you in to worship him forever and ever. I I, want to pray as, as we close that you would not just have a heart to maybe go do something adventurous overseas. That actually rebuke that but that you would be so desperate for other people to experience what you have experienced. And so as the team comes up, I want to pray for us in that, that you would seek his face, that you would desire what it says at the end of the book, when the end will come in Revelation, that he will be our God and we will be his people, that the very sun is his radiance, that we get to be with him, Do you want to be with Jesus? If you want to be with Jesus, whatever you're doing here in the well will go towards the nations. Whatever you're doing in love with him will support his mission and what he's calling us to do. Do you love him? Do you want to be like those cherubim that are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is where we are headed where there's no more tears, there's no more death, do you want to invite people into this good news? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we ask that we would see your face. That for those in here especially who do not know your love, have never experienced your presence, would you pour out your presence on them even right now? Remind them that you came to them as the perfect missionary, the perfect sacrifice, and you took their imperfection and gave them life. Would we desire to see your face and cry out, Holy, holy, holy. Would we sing a new song declaring that you are worthy? You are worthy to open the scroll. For you were slain and by your blood you were ransomed for people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Would we look forward to the day we see you face to face when we as your bride are made perfect and you welcome us in?
as we go into a time of communion, and as we sing these songs, would you look forward to seeing Jesus face to face? We ask that this communion time is specifically for those who are in Christ, who know that they're following Jesus. And if you're, you're not, we would ask that you don't actually take part because this is our time as a family to remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. To remember how he shed his blood and how his body was broken for you and for me. Would you do that and worship him in that, seeking his face until all have heard?